0: Hello, patriots, and welcome to our second podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the media's claim that Donald Trump bungled the COVID-19 response and that Joe Biden is going to fix everything. With me again is my husband, Lucas, that you all met last week. Now, Lucas, you told me I should title this podcast, Donald Trump Saved My Life. That's a pretty bold claim. Care to explain?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. First of all, uh, thank you all for tuning in last week. We had a lot of really good questions. I hope I answered most of them. Um, I answered some emails as well, and it was a lot of fun for me. So I'm glad to to be back here a second week. Thank you, Kaylee. Thank you, primetime patriots. Absolutely love what you guys are doing. You're right. I did ask you to title this President Trump Saved My Life, and hopefully... I do a good enough job of explaining myself that by the end of this podcast, uh, more people than not agree with my position. But let me start by saying a couple things. First of all, my mom, Crystal, is the greatest RN I know. My Aunt Celeste is 1A. (laughs) Those two have been nurses for almost longer than I've been alive. Um... They've been through so much in their careers, as have many other nurses that I know. I have much love for the frontline healthcare workers who literally risk their lives for other people. That being said, I'm going to have some pretty critical things to say about healthcare leaders in this podcast. Not all leaders, but there are many who... I feel like have been disingenuous, who have outright lied, who have misled for their own gain, whether it be political, personal, etc. So, if I do talk badly about anyone in the healthcare field, please understand I'm not talking about the CNAs, PCTs, custodial workers, the people who literally only care about doing their job well and taking care of people because there is no other reason they would be doing it I know even among them not everybody's perfect but I personally have uh, experienced great care from the nurses I've had and obviously I have them in my family so I want to make that clear um, so yes my claim Donald Trump saved my life I also believe he saved countless others. Um, And here's how. In January of 2020, we got the first glimpse of some kind of virus that was causing problems in China. The next thing we know, by the time we get to March, as we're all aware, middle of March, we're shutting things down. The virus has made it to the U.S. It's really impacting people. Now, there's obviously potentially, um, or it was potentially in the United States before that, but um, we know that by March it was causing a lot of of issues, and that's when we were in a full-blown pandemic and in full-blown pandemic mode, and things have not returned to normal since then. But what else happened? Well, (laughs) we have political leadership led by Donald Trump, who had to decide, what do we do next? How do we keep the models that were predicting millions of people dying in the United States from coming true? So, we all know the rest of the story. (laughs) Hopefully, I'm going to give you some more information about the rest of the story, but we know that there were shutdowns. It's two weeks to flatten the curve, two weeks to slow the spread, two weeks for this, two weeks for that, long story short, there are places that are still shut down. Um, There's a uh, curfew still in Ohio, uh, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. But at the same time that some, some of those kinds of things were being done, most importantly, our scientific community began work on therapeutics. You're going to hear me say that word a lot. Um, (laughs) The CDC, even today, seems to want to focus on everything from contact tracing to social distancing to masks, quarantines, lockdowns, so on and so forth. Uh, But we're not a third world country. We have the ability, our scientists have the ability to experiment and come up with therapies and therapeutics that can help people even when they're sick with COVID. So for the next six to eight months, that scientific community worked hard to, to come up with and test different therapies that could help people. At the same time, Donald Trump initiated Operation Warp Speed. The goal was to use every, um, resource that the federal government had at money to create vaccines, to protect the citizens of the United States and potentially elsewhere from COVID-19. At the time, almost everybody from Kirk Herbstreet, a sports commentator, to Robert Redfield, the uh, head of the CDC, they all said the same thing. Operation Warp Speed is a great idea, but there's really no way that Donald Trump can do anything to increase the speed of getting a vaccine to where people can take it. This is going to take a year, maybe longer. Many people said two years would be the fastest. Five years was the normal speed for a vaccine. But when Donald Trump said, I want it by the fall, I certainly want it by the end of 2020, everybody said he was crazy. Even right before the election, in the town hall, when he said, I'm being told that we could have vaccines by the end of the year, he was still ridiculed. And guess what? He was right all along. Operation Warp Speed, to me, was Donald Trump's legacy. I think that that was probably his number one next to maybe the border wall accomplishment as president. I also believe that um, he probably didn't face more ridicule for anything than he did for his claims of Operation Warp Speed. But if we didn't have it, if people weren't receiving the vaccine right now, that pe- more people would be dying. It is what it is. But I don't really want to talk about the vaccines per se. Um, my goal here is to talk about the therapeutics because I don't think a lot of people know about them. We have right now, um, and Donald Trump received Regeneron, which is a monoclonal antibody, it's a type of antibody that's made in a laboratory that basically makes it difficult or impossible for the virus to replicate. So you get that given to you on day four or five. I know Greg Norman got Bamlanivimab, which is another one of these monoclonal antibody treatments that you can get. He got it on day five or six. He was feeling really, really bad. And within a few days, he was in great shape. Donald Trump got it on day two or three. uh, I think day two, maybe. By by day four, five, six, somewhere in there, he was completely back to normal health. They're very successful, very successful, especially given in the first five, six, seven days before you have bilateral pneumonia and everything else happened to you. But even under those circumstances, there's remdesivir, which is an antiviral that's been used probably since about July widely it was used on me. I went into the hospital on about day seven with very, very severe bilateral pneumonia, what they call COVID lungs. Um, The doctor told me that it was in the top 5% of cases that he had seen. After two days of a poor protocol by one hospitalist, he gave me an antibiotic and no IV fluids on uh at the end of day 2 I got a new hospitalist he immediately prescribed remdesivir and dexamethasone which is a a very common um, corticosteroid and it was also given to Donald Trump and it's it's common in fighting COVID-19 so it's what what doctors call the protocol for for uh treatment of people with COVID-19 so I don't really know what the first hospitalist was thinking but by the time I got the second hospitalist two days in I finally got the remdesivir the dexamethasone and very importantly for me the IV fluids because the worst part for me was the high fever that I had for seven eight days Um, long story short three days later the fever broke completely about five days later, I would say the virus was completely dead. And the only thing I've been fighting since then is getting my lungs back. So part of the reason we wanted to do this podcast was to let everybody know that there are options out there. But if you don't know what they are, because I didn't really know until I was in the hospital and I started reading about you know, what treatments are out there and I started asking questions and I finally got a new hospitalist, I didn't really know. So... I wanted to do this podcast to introduce some new ideas to you if you haven't already heard of these things. So hopefully, if you get in a bad situation like I was in, um, you might have a better idea of what to ask. Because that's really my question, and that's my biggest problem with what's happening right now. Um, I know Kaylee was gonna jump in and ask this as a question, but I'll just tell you. My biggest problem with the leadership today And I'm talking about the healthcare leadership. I'm talking about Dr. Fauci. I'm talking about Robert Redfield. I'm talking about the people who Americans turn to for answers with how COVID-19 is being handled in the United States. I don't know that I've seen widely discussions from these folks, from politicians, from anybody else. The importance of the therapeutics. I don't know if it's because they don't want to give credit to Donald Trump. I don't know if it's because they don't know. I really don't have any idea. I can't figure out and I can't find in any of my research why they continue to focus on things that don't work to stop COVID-19 like masking, two masks, four masks, twelve masks. It doesn't matter. The virus is too small and masks can't stop it. I wore masks everywhere I went. So did everybody else who got COVID-19. They don't work. But I can tell you because members of my family have had monoclonal antibodies, including my wife. I had remdesivir saved my life. Um, <laughs> these are highly effective therapies, highly effective therapeutics that are saving lives. They were approved for use as a, at the very, very latest in October. At that same time, we had about 250,000 deaths in the United States. So going back to about the end of October and about the time that most of these therapeutics were approved for use by the FDA, we had 250,000 deaths. Well, we're up to 450,000 deaths now. And I want to know why. I want to know why when we have very successful drugs out there being used, are they not being used on everybody? Do we not have enough of them? What are the answers? And Kaylee, I'm going to ask you because I've been talking for 13 minutes and I'm sure people want to hear somebody else's voice. (laughs) I want to ask you, who should be answering these questions for us? Or at a minimum, who should be asking them?
0: Uh, The answer to that question would be the media.
1: Would it be? I mean, it would sure mean a lot to me if there was some reporters out there asking at the press briefings that they want to talk about kittens and ice cream. (laughs) Hey, President Joe Biden, why are these therapies not saving more lives? Are they not being used? Are there not protocols in the hospitals that are clearly set out that say, if someone presents with shortness of breath, a positive COVID-19 test, bilateral pneumonia, the first thing you do is give them remdesivir and dexamethasone? What's the answer? So healthcare professionals, if you listen to this podcast and you know the answer, if you want to comment, please do. Because I'm not asking this to be difficult. I'm not asking this rhetorically. I am truly, honestly wondering how it is that we continue to lose thousands of people a day to this insidious disease when we have highly effective, in the high 90s effectiveness, highly effective therapeutics that have been approved for use and were, for at least the last... Three months. I want to know if they're not being used. Do we not have enough? You know, what's the answer? Why aren't we hearing about them? Why aren't there PSAs on the TV and on the radio saying, hey, if you've got COVID and you start to experience shortness of breath, go to this hospital, that hospital, whatever, and get one of these therapeutics to help you out so you don't end up on a ventilator?
0: The other thing I will say is that I got COVID-19 and I was extremely proactive with my care because my husband at the time was in the hospital. He was fighting for his life. He was fighting to stay off of a ventilator. So I was proactive. As soon as I got my positive COVID test, I called my primary care physician and I asked him for medication because I'd heard of hydroxychloroquine. I knew that Donald Trump promoted that. I knew that he knew that it was effective. So I asked for it and they told me the only thing they would prescribe me is an inhaler and a cough suppressant. So I started calling my local hospitals and I asked them about the monoclonal injection, infusion. And they all talked to me like I was speaking a different language. They had no idea what I was talking about. They'd never heard of it. They had no clue. So not only did I do my research and not only was I proactive but I went even further and found that Regeneron was doing a study in my area to give people who are at low risk of extreme uh, side effects of COVID-19 the infusion the Regeneron infusion. So I took part in the study and let me tell you I only had one symptom after all of that. I had Loss of taste and smell for 10 days. I never fought shortness of breath. I didn't fight any of these other things that people who get COVID without treatment end up experiencing. So the bottom line is, we want to know why this isn't being promoted. Why people, just regular everyday people who are faced with COVID-19 are not being told about these Things that they can use to make themselves better.
1: So I know some of you are screaming at the computer right now. It's all politics. It's political. I get it. I totally do. Right? So some of what we're saying, we're saying it um, knowing full well that the answer is all politics is hype. And politicians are going to hype what they want to hype to make their careers move in the right direction for them. I understand it. In fact, that's one of the reasons that so many people liked Donald Trump <clears throat> is he didn't do that. His legacy is one of effort, ingenuity and perseverance. He didn't quit on us no matter who ridiculed him. His strength and optimism is what we needed and it's what saved my life. Because had he not worked so hard to get the FDA to waive regulations, waive restrictions, and do the things that they needed to do to make remdesivir available for use for COVID-19, I may not be talking to you right now on this podcast. I was on 35 or 40 liters of high-flow oxygen and being asked almost hourly if I would allow them to put me on a ventilator. And who knows if I would have ever come off and i told the the uh, pulmonary specialist and the hospitalist that i don't trust them i don't i don't trust doctors i don't trust hospitals i don't trust that if i'm not in some control of my health care i don't trust that i'll for sure ever leave that hospital so for me it was if i absolutely cannot get my oxygen saturations into the 90s at all, and I have to be on a ventilator, then, you know, it is what it is. But I wanted to hold off as long as I could, and I'm glad I did. Because once I got the rim severe, everything changed. And I will go to my grave, believing that I may not have had that opportunity if it weren't for Donald Trump. Now, I'll also say, I don't think that Donald Trump was perfect by any means. I mean, I really prefer somebody who's more articulate, somebody who can make their case very clearly and um, explain to people why they're doing what they're doing. He's one of these folks that did the right things, made the right moves, and then didn't really explain it very well to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And frankly, I don't think his uh, supporters in the media And in politics, did a very good job of helping him out. In business, you have your right-hand man and you have, you know, communications people who do a very good job of that for you. And Donald Trump did it without that. So, you know, I got to give him credit. But all I know is everybody in the media and everybody in the Democrat Party and on the left firmly believes Donald Trump did nothing. Joe Biden came into a mess and Joe Biden's going to have to fix it all. And we know that's nonsense. Operation Warp Speed not only got us vaccines, but it ensured that the vaccine makers were able to produce vaccine while they were running the trials so that when they were approved, we would have vaccine ready to go. So Joe Biden saying somehow that him purchasing vaccines is going to get us all vaccinated is only half of the story. The fact that the, um, what do they call those? The, the different models that all these statisticians prepared showed that 2 million Americans were going to die. Then it was a million. Then it was 800,000. Then it was 250,000, but then it was 400,000. So, They didn't know, they don't have a clue. What I know is that we made it through the first seven months and only 200,000 people died of COVID-19. And obviously maybe some of them didn't. I know that the flu counts, death counts are down, other causes of death are down, but let's just assume the numbers are right for the sake of argument. 200,000 by October, 450,000 today, roughly, is a lot less than a lot of people predicted. And I got to give Donald Trump and his work with the FDA, waiving regulations, a lot of the credit for that. My only concern moving forward is whether or not we're using the proper protocols to take care of people. Because I can tell you right now, my grandmother, 83 years old, was in the hospital with COVID-19. And there was some question for a minute about the protocols she was receiving, and you can <laughs> you can bet every you can bet the house that my mom and my aunt were not gonna tolerate that. They jumped in, they made sure she was taken care of, and she's out of the hospital now. But not everybody is that lucky. I know there are families out there grieving because they lost loved ones. And I'm not completely convinced that those loved ones had to pass away. And I think there should be someone out there doing the investigation of this, and it's not happening. So that's one of the reasons we did this podcast tonight, was to give you guys some information, so that if you find yourself in the same situation, maybe it'll help you out. I also wanted to firmly, strongly set the record straight. Donald Trump was very successful in his handling of COVID-19. If you disagree with me, feel free to do so publicly. I'll be glad to debate anybody, anytime. I experienced it personally. I know that Donald Trump received Regeneron, Dexamethasone, Remdesivir, and multiple different vitamins. And he was healed and whole within four or five days and the man's what 74 years old so in a high risk category and a little overweight so it is what it is
0: thank you guys so much for tuning in on our second podcast we'd love to hear what you think of it please 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 don't hesitate to reach out
1: and i will tell you that this is uh this was a kind of a personal podcast for us even though obviously it has a public component with Donald Trump and COVID-19 moving forward. Our podcasts are going to be a lot more on the political side. Um, We're going to get into some of the finer points of things like constitutional law, uh, the impeachment, where we go next, uh, leadership. We've got a lot of really good ideas uh, and look for our next podcast in the next couple of days.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we will uh, talk to you next time.